Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is Corbell Starks, a.k.a. Who That Nigga. And welcome to the world according to Starks. As you already know, it's September 30th of 2022. And more importantly, we have got something a little bit better in the world today. But before we get on to news, let me just say that uh, Coolio, the Grammy-winning Grammy winning Gangsters Paradise rapper who died at the age of 59, that's right. He died at the age of 59. Coolio rose to prominence in Los Angeles rap scene in the 1990s, scoring his big break when he recorded the song Gangster's Paradise for the 1995 film Dangerous Minds, starring Michelle Pfeiffer. It quickly became one of the most popular rap songs of all time, topping the Billboard Hot 100 for three weeks and ending 1995 as the number one single of that year in the United States in 1996. Gangsta's Paradise was nominated for Record of the Year and Best Solo Rap Performance at the Grammy Awards, with Coolio winning the latter. The song was soon spoofed by Willa Yankovic, who satirized it as Amish Paradise, though Coolio was adamant that he did not give Weir Al permission to do so. However, Coolio later in interviews that the two made amends. Born artist Leon Ivey Jr., on August 1st, 1963, in Pennsylvania, Coolio moved to California, Compton, California, where he joined the hip-hop group WC in the Mad Circle in 1991. A few years later, in 1994, Coolio signed with Tommy Boy Records and released his debut album, It Takes a Thief. Catapulted by his lead single, Fantastic Voyage, It Takes a Thief peaked at number 8 on the number on the Billboard Hot 200 album chart and was certified platinum. After the success of Gangsta's Paradise in the mid-1990s, Coolio continued to grow in fame and eventually recorded Ah, Here It Goes for the opening sequence of Nickelodeon's Keenan and Kel, which he also appeared in his third album, My Soul, released in 1997. and contained See You When You Get There, which hit number 12 on the Billboard Hot 100. The album was certified gold, but didn't have the same effect as his first two records, and thus became his last record with Tommy Boy. Coolio would go on releasing five more studio albums in 2001's Coolio.com, 2002's El Cool Magnifico, 2006's The Return of the Gangster, and 2008's Still Here, and 2009's From the Bottom to the Top. As his commercial success music faded, Coolio became a TV personality, placing third on a German talent show about artists looking to make a comeback in 2004 and appearing on Celebrity Big Brother in 2009. Food was also a big love for Coolio's. He released a cookbook, Cooking with Coolio, in 2009 and competed on the Food Network series, Rachel vs. Guy, Celebrity Cook-Off, in 2012, coming in second place. A talented actor as well, Coolio appeared in dozens of films and TV shows throughout his career, starring with a guest spot as himself on Martin. Coolio's credits included Dangerous Minds TV spinoff in 96, Sabrina the Teenage Witch in 1996, Batman and Robin in 1997, The Nanny in 98, Tyrone in 99, Midnight Mass at 99, Charmed in 2002, Star Ving in 2009, Futurama from 2001 to 2010, and Gravity Falls in 2012. According to his IMDb page, Coolio had three movies in the works, Rob Margolis, Bobcat Moriarty and a monster film called It Wants Blood 2 and a TV movie Vegas High. Coolio also continued to perform, having just recently played a set at Chicago's Riot Fest on September 18th. We love Coolio and more importantly, 
we will see you in heaven. But more importantly, you are in heaven, but we will see you as well. Jersey Shore Beach patrols get 73 violations from the State Department of Labor. Following the deaths of two lifeguards last year, the New Jersey Department of Labor launched an investigation of beach patrols at the Jersey Shore that found 73 violations in four counties. The death of lifeguards Norman Inferella III, who was 16, and Keith Pento at 19 in August of 2021, prompted the investigation that the state's labor department said in a statement, Inferella died after a surfboat he was aboard capsized at Reading Avenue Beach in Cape May. Pinto died after being struck by lightning while stationed on a lookout tower at Berkeley Township's White Sands Beach. The beaches have since been renamed in memory of the late lifeguards and are now known as Inferra Memorial Memorial Beach and Keith Pinto Memorial Beach at White Sands. The department initially investigated safety issues at the two beaches and later launched the largest scale probe to spread knowledge and awareness of these dangers in an effort to prevent future tragedies, the department said. Norman and Keith were valued young members of their communities, their squads, and their state who gave their lives in protecting their fellow New Jerseyans and guests visiting our shoreline. Labor Commissioner Robert Asaro Angelo said that this beach safety initiative was a vast and critical undertaking. And as a result, our Jersey Shore destinations are now more aware and better equipped to address boating and lighting, lightning safety issues. <clears throat> the Department's Office of Public Employees Occupational Safety and Health headed up the investigation, which focused on beach patrols that employed public employees, POS conducted the investigation in July and August and performed 58 inspections in Mammoth, Mammoth County, Mammoth Ocean, Atlanta, and Cape May counties, the department said. Investigators issued, investigators issued 73 violations, 44 in Ocean County, 38 of which were related to record keeping, 16 in Mammoth County, 8 in Cape May County, and 5 in Atlanta County. A department spokesman said, in addition to record, keeping the violations were related to boat hazards, boat certifications, and lightning policies. The department also issued 32 hazard awareness letters related to boat or lightning safety and orders to comply. The Department of Labor did not identify the beach patrols and receive violations or the specific violations that the beach patrols received. This right here, ladies and gentlemen, is the real reason why you should not go to the beach or anywhere else in that matter. Because two lifeguards just lost their lives whatsoever. And more importantly, you think it to yourself that it's really safe to go back into the water. I think not. But to those two lifeguards who died, 116 and 119, I hope the families will find closure. And more importantly, I hope that what the labor, the Department of Labor in New Jersey would think and not be heartless and not rem- disremember the situation that they were going through. Because let's be honest with ourselves. This is not how life's supposed to get to you. And this is not how you lose a life. And this is not the situation. We have to keep tighter rules in this world. Because frankly, if we keep on losing as many lifeguards as possible who are 16 or 19 or maybe 17 or 18 Nobody's going to have fun at the beach. Damn sure not on the Jersey Shore. I don't know what the fuck she was thinking. 
or anybody else was thinking. Raccoon makes Ohio woman run for her life. She eats pavement and then her boyfriend tries to flex on the critter. The video be hung up in the levure. It's a work of art and we're just fortunate someone happened to be driving by to catch it all. Raccoons can be little can be cute little things, scary, sneaky, and human like as they walk up to your back sliding door on their hind legs, knocking for someone to let them in. Like this. Back to this lady getting a face full of pavement. So much going on here to discuss. Is she drunk or on drugs? Or perhaps both? What is she arguing with the raccoon about? Hmm, interesting. What did she say that finally made the raccoon say, I had enough of this shit? She didn't get very far, as you'll see, but the best part might be her Burnett vodka drinking partner flex on the raccoon. Like she just stopped a running back during a goal line stand. Wow. I I don't know what to say about that shit, but more importantly, it's fucking funny as hell. Without the opportunity, who knows if the legend from small town East Tennessee would have ever gotten her big break. But then again, why wouldn't he? I mean, she getting chased by a raccoon of all things. You know raccoons are very snarky and scary little motherfuckers. But more importantly, you fall face first to the ground and your boyfriend's trying to flex his muscle on a raccoon. Raccoons could be cute and whatnot, but they do carry rabies. Uh, apparently, for certain reasons, why I, of all people, have never, why well, I have seen raccoons before. I've seen them up close and personal, and them motherfuckers are mean as shit. Seriously, they're mean as shit. But I gotta say, straight up and down, like, I did not get a chance to see the video. But, more importantly, if I did, and she fall face first to the ground, that raccoon probably dug a some claws in her fat white ass and just let her know like don't fuck with me lady don't fuck with me i don't care if it's white privilege you ain't gonna be wait for long i'm gonna take a chunk of your ass <laughs> i'm sorry i'm sorry i don't want to laugh at a fat white girl falling face first to the concrete but more importantly it's absolutely fucking funny and i don't care what anybody says but oh my god boom it's crazy Meghan Markle was furious over 2017 Vanity Fair cover she found racist. Meghan Markle was reportedly furious with the 2017 Vanity Fair issue, announcing her relationship to Prince Harry, claiming the cover featuring her face was racist. Markle's anger stemmed from the headline of the magazine's October 2017 issue titled She's Just Wild About Harry. What she and her then-boyfriend, Prince Harry, noticed is that the name of a blackface number performed by Judy Garland and Mickey Rooney in the 19 1939 film Babes in Arms, and it inspired told the Daily Mail. They, Harry and Meghan, tried to get it changed online because they thought it had been racially motivated, the source said. Marco had, was reported so outraged with the headline, she wanted to fire her newly hired public relations advisor, Keely Thomas Morgan of Sunshine Sacks. Everything got to be racist sometimes, and I don't really understand that bullshit. She had been ecstatic to do the piece, but was irate that the magazine chose to focus on her relationship with the Duke of Sussex rather than on her acting career and philanthropic efforts. According to an ex 
script from a new bombshell book about the couple published the Times of London. Marco had been under strict orders to steer clear of topics deemed sensitive, such as politics, race, and her relationship with the prince. Marco convinced Prince Harry the article would focus on the celebration of the 100th episode of Suits, the TV show that the actress was filming in Toronto where the interview was conducted. However, Vanity Fair contributing editor Sam Kashner confessed he had never heard of the TV show or Markle and asked her directly about her relationship with Harry. We're a couple. We're in love. She famously responded. And from the pic I look about her and Harry, she does look happy, but I think she's putting on a front. I'm sure there will be a time when we have to come forward and present ourselves and have stories to tell. But I hope what people will understand is that this is our time, Markle said in argument. Meghan Markle. Yes, she's an actress and she was on Vanity Fair. And I don't see nothing racist about it. But more importantly, you just can't find anything racist about the situation or any other situation unless it is pointing to you as a person. But I, on the other hand, when I found out, like, you know, yeah, Meghan Markle and Harry were married, I, I just had to, like, you know, not give a fuck for a second because now it's, like, it's, it's crazy. It really is. And, well, to be quite honest, they're married. I don't care. Poker cheating accusations explode over wild awe and call. One of the wildest calls you'll ever see has to lead to allegations of cheating in poker. Robbie J. Lou was in hand against former Garrett Alderson, one of the poker's winningest live stream players on the Hustler Casino Live stream on Thursday night. Lou had Jack Four offsuit, while Addison had the seven and eight of clubs. The flop came out ten of hearts, ten of clubs, nine of clubs. This means that Alderson, a former Survivor contestant, had an open-ended straight flush draw, while Lou had effectively nothing. Alderson had a 70% chance to win the hand at his point. Any club, jack, or six would give him a near-certain win. Lou called Alderson's $2,500 bet. This is where things turn, pun somewhat intended, very bizarre. Fourth Street brought the... Three of Hearts, a card which helped neither contestant. After an initial bet of 10000 from Adelson and raised to double the f from Lou, Adelson went all in for $129,000. At this point, Adelson had a 53% chance to win, a slight disadvantage to Adelson's actual hand, but holding nothing besides a jack high. Lou astoundingly called the bet. The river brought nothing to help either side, and Lou won the hand with Jack High for kicker. It was a such bizarre call that Addison accused her of cheating. On a stream, Addison shot Lou a death glare, to which she responded with a laugh. You look like you'd want to kill me. The announcer on the stream was saying that Addison would ordinarily congratulate an opponent for a hero call like the one Lou made but that his glare was initially literally the most disturbed look that I've ever seen Garrett live. Her initial explanation was that she thought he had a high hand that would have been better than hers before saying that she just thought he was betting so high against her because he didn't have shit. Things only got more bizarre from here. After the two had a private conversation, Lou gave Adelson the money back from the hand, why did she do that? I 
said that I wanted minimal destruction and asked, what is going on to make you happy? Lou told the table, he said, to give me my money back. She then claimed that she misread the three to turn card, thinking that it gave her a low pair against what she believed was a bluff. She said that she thought she had Jack three. Lou said that she would win the money back and then that she gave Adelson and I'm not going to deal with drama. After the event, Adelson gave a lengthy explanation of why she believed Lou was cheating, saying that her call in the moment did not mesh with her previous betting patterns and alleging that a way to cheat during live stream poker would be to have some type of vibrating device that tells you when you have the best hand or having possession of a card reader. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let me just say that uh, I'm 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 really, 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 really pissed on the situation because not only that, Robbie J. Lou made such a wild card on Garrett Adelson that her he accused her of cheating. I'm not good at poker. I'm not good at any parts of poker, Texas Hold'em, whatever you want to call it. But more importantly, if you're gonna play poker, it's all about skill. But some people don't believe in that skill shit, and it really, like, you know, made no sense to me. And I gotta say, what the fuck? I mean, I don't watch poker. Let's just leave it at that, okay? Let's just leave it at that. Celtics coach Ima Udoka used crude language with female staffer. The law conducting Ima Udoka's investigation found that Celtics head coach used crude language while speaking to the female subordinate he later started in a proper workplace relationship with, according to ESPN's Adrian Warnowski. The Celtics announced on September 22nd that Udoka was suspended for the season after news broke of him having a consensual but improper relationship with a female staffer. An investigation was completed early last week, and the findings describe Udoka's language as concerning coming from a workplace superior. Udoka became Boston's head coach last season and led the Celtics to the NBA Finals, where they lost to the Warriors in six games. Celtics owner Wick Galsbeck said Monday the suspension was a product of multiple violations of team policy. Galsbeck said Udoka would be receiving a salary cut for the suspended year. The Celtics owner added no one else in the organization received any discipline as a result of the investigation. The Celtics won't stand in Udoka's way of becoming a head coach somewhere else, and there are teams who have tried to get a full understanding of the situation before properly showing interest. Translation, Udoka will never be a coach after this shit, and since he suspended the whole entire 2022 season, it is bullshit. He's not going to be a coach anywhere else. That's the fucked up part. Grossbeck and Celtics president Brad Stevens, however, would not give details on what Udoka would need to do to return to Boston's coach following the suspension. This felt right, but there are no clear guidelines for any of this. Grossbeck said it's conscience and gut feel. We collectively came to this and got there, but it was not clear what to do, but it was clear something substantial needed to be done. And it was. The Celtics promoted assistant coach Joe Mazzula to interim head coach for the season. Mazzula is well regarded in the Celtics organization and will now coach a team ready to make another deep playoff run, which they won't. They'll probably get eliminated either in the Easter, Easter Conference semis or the Easter Conference finals. But this fat motherfucker over here became the Boston's head coach last season and led the Celtics but did not win. That's the fucking problem. 
stupid ass motherfucker decided to use crude language. Are you kidding me? You know what? I'm not even going to go down that road because, frankly, if that was me and I was using crude language, I wouldn't be coaching anywhere else. Fuck that shit. I mean, seriously, why do you let people like that come in, swear they're coaching, and before you know it, this shit goes crazy? I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen. I just don't care anymore. I really don't care. And divorcee turned sugar mama spoils her boy toy with lavish cars and cash. The sugar mama has no husband and lots of money to spend. Californian Kara Miller, who's 36, loves to spoil her boy toy Daniel, who's 27, with lavish gifts and often shares the shopping bags and crazy price tags with her 10,000 Instagram followers, according to Jam Press. In one video, Daniel declares he wants some Basilingia, Balenciaga tennis shoes, which Miller fully supports without hesitation. The duo first met on Bumble on July 2019, three months after Miller divorced her husband of four years. When they first got together, Miller would give Daniel a weekly allowance of $40, but has since raised the bar. Now Miller, who is in a clinical psychological student, lends Daniel anywhere from $500 to $1,000 a month. She even writes up a contract, which is revised yearly, and lists his weekly allowance, including terms and conditions. I love taking care of men. Miller, who also works with people with special needs, told NeedToKnow.com online. I have always done it, even in my marriage and after. She explained, after my separation and divorce, I took on a man who became my sugar baby. Not Daniel. I did everything for him. No, you didn't. Shut the fuck up. I gave him a lot of money and brought him necessities like alcohol, cigarettes, even paid for tickets he got, Miller stated. Oh, boy. Miller brings in roughly 6000 a month with many sources of income, including working very hard on social media to keep Daniel happy, according to Jam Press. Her Instagram account notes that she is on OnlyFans. I was on OnlyFans, and more importantly, I didn't get no fucking responses for that shit. Nowadays, she provides her man with cars, designers, expensive food, and trips, but he mostly prefers cash. I don't really buy Daniel any luxurious items anymore because he refuses. He would rather have the money, she revealed. I'm okay with that because I know he's happier that way. But not everyone understands the pair's agreement. Of course they don't. People will judge me for who I am, but I honestly don't really care anymore, Miller said. I'm trying to show that women are perfectly capable of taking care of men. They even accept it or they don't. I honestly only really listen to the people who support me. And more importantly, Kara Miller, who's 36 years old, is a clinical psychology student and works with people with special needs. She also she is also on OnlyFans. And exactly, Kara Miller, what do you do on OnlyFans? Do you bore us to death by becoming a, psych- a psychology student or you haven't had a real dick in your mouth as of late? Now, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to say this because, frankly, I'm not going to like waste no time. I do realize that straight up and down that this situation, we got sugar babies, sugar mamas and sugar daddies. I, on the other hand, 
am not rich. But when I least expected to see somebody that has some self-respect for themselves, it's kind of weird and fucking nutty for one reason. But when I see a guy begging for bas- balenciagas, whatever the fuck you want to call them shits, I'm thinking to myself, are you that spoiled or are you just that stupid? Nobody loves to work nine to fives anymore. Everybody loves to be clenching on to a would-be wannabe Kardashian that's making so much fucking money. Meanwhile, the Kardashian's talking about work, bitch. Bitch, you have not worked a nine to five in your motherfucking life. But you own a fashion boutique. Who gives a shit? Are you there 24-7 from 9 in the morning to 5 in the afternoon? No. But more importantly, I just say it straight up and down that these motherfuckers, rich asses, always look at a 9 to 5 person and they be like, ugh, work. Bitch, I got bills to pay. Do you? Oh, and uh, one more thing. As far as B. Simone goes... And I don't want to say because I'm offline. B. Simone can go fuck herself, too, for shitting on nine to five guys who work twice as hard, eight hours, 40 hours. And you still talking back about us. Didn't Kevin Samuel, of all people, come at you with this shit and you're still shitting on us nine to five niggas? Fuck you. That's why I could say. Fuck you, bitch. You and that gap. You got that Michael Strahan gap in your fucking mouth. Ungrateful cunt. Anyway, that is the world according to Starks. It is 9.29 in the nighttime. And more importantly, I'd like to thank everybody who are listening to the world according to Starks. I want to say I need that support because, frankly, I'm not getting any money for this. And I don't really give a fuck. I'm doing this for free. But more importantly, people be like, why are you doing it for free? You can make money off your podcast because my laptop don't have no fucking Internet. And I have my mic, but I didn't plug it in yet. But other than that, I'm Corbell Starks, a.k.a. Who That Nigga. Just want to say thank you for listening, and uh, I'll see you Saturday. And I bet you'll be listening to this on Saturday. Peace out.